Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. Come on, who's excited to be at Mission Church this morning? Come on, we can do a little bit better than that. Who's excited to be at Mission Church? Come on. My name is Joe Little. I'm the youth pastor here uh, at Mission Church, and I'm so excited uh, to get to preach uh, this morning. Uh, before we get into the message, uh, do we love our pastors, Pastors Tyler and Rachel Johnson? Come on. Uh, I say this anytime I get the opportunity to speak, but they are not normal pastors. Uh, what's going on here uh, is, is just so amazing and so extraordinary, uh, and it's just such an honor uh, to be a part of it. So uh, when they get back, make sure you walk up to them. Uh, I heard a quote one time, uh, don't think something nice about someone and then not tell them. Like, have you ever done that? Like, oh, that person's like a really nice person. Go tell them. So when you see them on Sunday, uh, go tell them how much you love them, how much you appreciate them, uh, because we do. Uh, but super excited. Uh, I would be I would be crazy not to talk about youth as the youth pastor. I would, I would be nuts. So we get to celebrate one year as a youth ministry uh, next week. Come on. Yeah, we can clap. We can put our hands together. That's, that's a pretty special thing. Can't believe we've been doing youth for a year. Uh, it's been an amazing year. We're going to be doing all types of stuff to celebrate next week. We're going to be giving away uh, an iPad. We're going to be uh, having some special components. We're going to be even highlighting some special things that have been happening in our youth ministry. Uh, so if you're in high school or middle school, you've got to come hang next next week. Uh, study clubs at 4 p.m. Uh, your kids love to study. It's great. It's amazing. Uh, we'll have kids come and they'll do homework. Uh, it's led by uh, the bishop himself, Mike Teasley. Uh, yeah, who loves Michael Teasley? Make some noise. Come on. Uh, and then we'll have youth right after at six. But it's been such an amazing year in our youth ministry. I just want to give you guys uh, just a quick update of all of the amazing things that have happened over the last year. Uh, what's really cool is that uh, the last time I did this, I think it was at the beginning of the year, and we were on, I think, two school campuses at the time, uh, and we were celebrating that. Uh, but starting this year, uh, we're going to be on six. We're going to be on six school campuses preaching the gospel, telling kids about Jesus, inviting them to church. Uh, four of those are public schools, uh, which is amazing. Come on. Yeah, that's amazing. We're going to get to go to public schools and preach the gospel. Uh, we're going to be at Northgate, uh, Akalani's, uh, Camp Lindo, uh, and College Park, uh, as well as we're going to continue to do things at Berean and Contra Costa. So uh, if you know any administration and they're like, hey, we want uh, to partner with Mission Youth, let me know. Uh, we're always uh, wanting to add because we truly do believe uh, that as we go and evangelize to students, uh, we're just going to see revival happen in our students. Uh, so that's one thing. Uh, we actually also got to put on our first ever summer camp uh, this year. Uh, it was awesome. It was amazing. It was so much fun. We've had dozens of students get baptized, uh, and it's just been so special. And um, this is my favorite, uh, my favorite number of what's been going on in youth. Uh, in the last year, uh, we have had 172 students uh, decide to give their heart to Jesus, which is just amazing. Um, it's, it's so special. In the first year of our youth ministry, 172 students have said, I want to follow God. Um, and, and it's just been such an amazing season at our youth ministry. Uh, so I want to encourage you again, uh, if you're in middle school or high school, come hang next week. Come hang tonight. Uh, we got youth tonight as well. Uh, it's going to be awesome. Uh, but super excited for my message uh, this morning. The title of my message is, What do you see first? What do you see first? Look to the person next to you and say, what do you see? Let's try that one more time. Look to the person next to you and say, what do you see 
first. Come on. I thought I was at youth for a second. <laughs> That's how my youth kids look at me. No, not saying nothing to my neighbor. <laughs> uh, at some point in like the last like month of our youth ministry, uh, I have become like the youth pastor that just gives random facts when I'm when I'm speaking, like just random facts, facts no one really cares about. Uh, and so my kids have like started to laugh at me. They've started to uh, started to lapse, but. For some reason, I'm going to do that again today. Uh, so I'm going to give you two, okay? I'm going to give you two. I won't spend the whole time uh, letting you know the statistics of so-and-so, but I will uh, give you two. Is that all right? Can I give you two? Okay, so the first one is this. Uh, I found this random fact about ducks. <laughs> See? You weren't supposed to laugh. We're all adults here. Um, I thought this was a safe place. Uh, I found this random fact about ducks. And what's really interesting about ducks is after they hatch, whatever they see first is what they identify with. Like, it's super interesting. So if you look on YouTube, you can actually find videos of ducks who have been hatched, and the first thing they saw was a dog, and now that duck thinks it's a dog. Like, literally, ducks will uh, eat out of dog bowls. They'll walk around on a leash. Uh, a dog will run out and run after a car and be barking, and then the duck will run right after them quacking. Like, literally, like, it's, it's hilarious. Like, they literally think that they are a dog. And it's, and it's really, really funny to me because they think they're a dog. Why? Because that's what they saw first. And when I think about your life and my life and how we maybe identify, how we maybe walk into our identity, I think that for a lot of us, we begin to maybe identify and find our identity in what we saw first. What we saw first. Why is this a problem? Because for some of us, we did not see the things of God first, but for some of us, we saw the world first. You see, for a lot of us, we didn't see purity first. We saw impurity first. For a lot of us, we didn't see maybe healthy marriages first. We saw divorce first. For a lot of us, we didn't see healthy relationships first. We saw toxicity first, making it very hard to do this statement that a lot of Christians say, to be in the world, but not of the world. But what if the world is what I saw first? What if the world is what I saw first? What if this is just what I saw? What if this is what they do in my family? What if this is just what they do at my job? What if this is just what they do in relationships? What if this is what I saw first? And what will happen is we'll begin to make decisions not based off of what we hear from the things of God, but based off of what has been shown to us. And because of that, we'll find ourselves in some pretty dark seasons, won't we? We'll find ourselves in some seasons of mistakes and some seasons of dangerous rhythms and seasons of things that are destructive. Why? Because those are just the things that we saw first. And that's where we find the characters of our story this morning. We're going to be talking about Adam and Eve. And what's happened is that God has now created Adam and Eve and he has now placed them in the garden. And, and I love God gives them this command. So right now he's speaking to Adam and this is before Eve was uh, created, and, and it says in Genesis 2, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. We don't really know why God made the tree. We don't really know because if you ever had that question before, why put the tree there in the first place? But what we do know is that this tree, 
is the one thing, the one thing that God created that only he could be in control of. It's the one thing. He says, hey, I want you to take care of everything else. This is the one thing that only I can take care of. This is the one thing that only I can control. And when I look at your life and my life and the mistakes that we've made, what I've found is that it's usually because you and I are fighting for control. You see, psychiatrists even say things like anxiety, things like depression. The reason why they flourish is because you and I want to be in control. When I look at the mistakes that I've made, a lot of times it was rooted in wanting to be in control. It was rooted in things that only God could control. So we don't know why the tree was there, but it was the one thing that only God could take care of. Can I encourage you? There are going to be things in your life that only God can, can take care of. There are going to be things in your life that only God can control and you will not find peace in trying to gain control. You will only find peace in trying to release it. And we find in our story what happens in Genesis chapter 3 is this. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Let's pray one more time. God, I thank you that you are a God that wants us to look at you, that you want our eyes to be fixed on you, that you even say, seek first the kingdom of God. So God, we seek you first. We put away the things that we might have seen in the past. We put away the things that might have been shown to us, but we say, God, we want to seek you first. Do what only you can do in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Uh, so this morning, we're going to talk about two things that sin does, and then we're going to talk about how God responds to it. How does God respond to it? And uh, my second interesting fact that I will share uh, this morning is this. Uh, it's about seeds. So there's this seed, and the Bible talks about the mustard seed, and it talks about, okay, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, then you can move mountains. So I began wondering, how big is a mustard seed? Like, how big really is it? So I sent in a picture. Uh, that is the size of a mustard seed. So literally, this is like your index finger, and that is the size of a mustard seed. Now, what's interesting to me... <laughs> You guys look so bored right now. Just kidding. Just kidding. Like, oh my gosh, when's Tyler coming back? Uh, <laughs> this is the last one, I promise. Uh, what's interesting is that when this seed is planted, when it grows, it fully grows into this. It's massive. Thank you. Thank you. I got a wow. That's all I wanted was one. I just need one. Just one wow. That's it. That's it. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, why is this interesting? Because something so small created something so big. Something so small grew into something so large. So when we begin talking about sin, when we begin talking about mistakes, when we begin talking about the things that we are going through, a lot of times they do not start fully grown. A lot of times they start as seeds. See, the Bible even tells us in James 1.15, it says, 
These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death, showing me that the things that are dead in my life, full-grown death, destruction, did not even start with sin, but it started with desires. It started with a seed. And nine times out of ten, what you have to understand is that this seed started the exact same way that it started in the Bible. Did God really say See, what you have to understand, what is the first thing that sin does is sin causes us to question, what did God say? Did God really say you weren't supposed to eat from any tree in the garden? Did God really say that you're supposed to stay pure until marriage? Did God really say that you're not supposed to operate in your business like that? Did God really say that you're not supposed to live for the weekend? And then you and I, we find ourselves just like Adam and Eve in cycles of sin and cycles and rhythms of destruction. Why? Because we look for loopholes in God's word so that we can stay comfortable. Wow. Did God really say you aren't supposed to eat from any tree? What's the line? Have you ever asked that? As a, as a youth pastor, I get that question a lot. Like, what's the line? Like, what's the line in purity? What's the line in forgiveness? What's the line in rude? What's the line in these things? What is the line, which you have to understand this morning, the first thing that sin does is it causes us to question, what did God say? Why? Because if the enemy can get you to question what God said, then he can get you to question who God is. Wow. That's the second thing sin does. It causes me to question who God is. It causes me to question his character. It causes me to question, does he really love me? Does he really care for me? Because if I can question what God said, then I must also have to question who God is. You see, all of us, while you receive from God is strictly determined by how you view God. And how you view God is strictly determined by what do you believe God said. One of my favorite things to do is I love to go to the movies. I love going to the movies. Are there any, like, going to the movies people? I love going to the movies. To the point that I don't even care, like, if the movie's good or not. I'm going to be honest. I don't. I don't care. Like, I'll literally just be sitting on the couch, and I'll be like, Paige, let's go to the movies. Let's, let's go to the movies. And then she'll be like, well, is anything good out? And I'm like, who cares? I just want to go to the movies. I just want to go. I don't care how much it costs. I don't care that I paid $40 for a Coke. I literally just want to go to the movies. So what'll happen is I'll have to like try to figure out like, okay, which movies like will Paige want to go to? Because Paige isn't a Marvel fan. So like when a new Marvel movie comes out, like I, I usually have to like convince her, right? Like I have to like, all right, we're going to go see this. And then I have to figure out, okay, well, this other movie's coming out. And then she asked the question that a lot of you guys probably ask. I'm going to be honest. I don't ask this question, uh, but she asked this question. How are the reviews? Anyone else? Anyone else? How are the reviews? Yeah, Rotten Tomatoes all over it. Like, I'm literally, she's like, how are the reviews? Now, what's interesting is that we'll make decisions on whether we're going to go to a movie strictly based on the reviews, right? Like, strictly based off what did someone say about it? How did someone like it? What did they say that it was? And I think that you and I, when it comes to our relationship with God, will sometimes make decisions on how close we'll get to God based off what we've heard about him. You see, what you have to understand is that when we look at that first command is that God is speaking directly to Adam, meaning that Eve, in this moment, we are not sure, but Eve, from what we can tell in the Bible, did not receive this command directly from God, meaning that she is operating, she is making decisions, she is walking through life, making decisions based off of secondhand information. 
And you and I, we will do the exact same thing on who God is, on God's character, strictly based off of secondhand information, based off of what we read in an article, based off of what we saw on Instagram, based off of all of these things. So what does sin do? It causes me to question what did God say, and it causes me to question who God is. And I thought about as preparing this message, should I maybe talk through how can we get through this? How can we avoid the plans of the enemy? But the reality is that the Bible is very clear that even though our salvation is complete, you and I are very much in process. You and I are very much under construction. You and I are very much growing. You and I are very much going to continue to make mistakes until we see God face to face. So instead of talking about, hey, here are some ways that you can set up boundaries, I thought that it would be a little bit more beneficial to talk about how does God respond to your mistakes? What does he do? How does he respond? How does God go about it? What does God think? And I think that the story tells us very clearly. It says in verse 6, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good, was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of day. And they hid from the Lord among God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Me and Paige have this rule in our house uh, that we're not allowed to scare each other. Like, are there any like people in the house that you just love scaring your family members? Like you hide in the closet. Like you'll sit there for like hours if you have to. It is all <laughs> worth it. Boo, ha, gotcha. Like what? Like... <laughs> What do you mean you got me? Cool, got me. Uh, so we've created this rule. Like, you're not allowed to scare each other because, well, it's, we just don't like it. So it's just not funny to us, like, to each other. It's funny, to, like, to the other person who's scaring. It's not so funny to the person being scared if you, like, come home at 11 o'clock and I pop out of a closet. Boo, gotcha. Like, no, like, is there someone trying to attack me? Like, this is, like, this is real. This is real. But the reason why we created this rule is because it's very, very dangerous, right, to feel like no one's there when someone actually is. It's very, very dangerous. It's very, very dangerous to operate in your life to feel like no one is there when someone actually is. So we have this moment in our story where Adam and Eve have now just created the biggest mistake in human history at this point. It's the first one. So it's the biggest one. It is the biggest one. They have now just allowed sin, death, destruction, sickness, separation from God. They have just allowed this into the world. And the first question that God asks them, the first thing that God says in response to them is, where are you? Where are you? He doesn't say, how could you? He doesn't say, what were you thinking? He says, where are you? There are three reasons why I think that this is the reason why God uses this. And just through studying and what I found, there's, there's three reasons why. And the first one is this would have been an awakening voice. This would have been a voice of informing. This would have been a voice that let them know where they are. Uh, I am super obsessed with DoorDash. I'm going to be honest. We DoorDash a lot. I love it. I just love DoorDashing. I would rather DoorDash 10 times. I just love it. I just love DoorDash. But there are two types of people who DoorDash. Uh, there are what I like to call the hawks, 
and there are the sloths. That's what I like to call them, the hawks and the sloths, all right? So the, the sloths are the people who are like, I don't know when my food's gonna get here, but I also really don't care. Like, it's fine. I know that it's on its way. Uh, but then there are the people who are like me, who are like the hawks. Like, we're the people who refresh the app every five minutes to figure out, is it on his way? He's approaching. He's approaching again. He's approaching again. He's approaching again. My order's been dropped off, but I didn't get a knock on my door. Is it at the right door? I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. I was door dashing one time. I was in LA and I was hanging out with a friend and we door dashed. So I was like, you know what? I'm hungry. I'm going to door dash some food. And, and the food is like on its way and I'm excited. Like I was, I was fired up. I love food. So I'm like, I'm, I'm excited. We're, we're happy. And all of a sudden I get a message and it says, I'm outside. And, and he sends a picture and, and I don't know, I was in LA at the time, I don't know LA super well, but, but that wasn't the outside I saw when I, when I walked in. Like, it was a different outside. Like, that was not the right outside. So literally, he's like, I'm outside, and I'm like, hey, I think you're at the wrong spot. And he's like, oh, can you send me the address? I'm like, they should have already did that. Like, like this should have already happened. So he calls me. Or I call him and I'm like, dude, like, where are you? Have you, have you looked at the map? And, and he says this, he says, I don't speak English. And I'm like, but you just did, like, <laughs> twice. Twice you did. Maybe once, I'll, I'll, I'll think you don't, but you just did twice. I don't speak English, well, well okay. Um, but, but, but do you know where you are? Do you know where, where you are? And he begins driving and, and then he says, I think I can find it in English, and, and I'm like, dude, like, okay, are, are you on your way? And then it says he's approaching, and, and then he sends me this statement, and, and like the messaging, uh, he says this, and he says, I, I better get a tip for how long this took and losing other orders. That's literally what he said. I texted him back, I cannot make this up. I don't speak English, I don't. I'm sorry, I don't. Where's my pancakes, sir? I don't speak English. But the reason why I share this story is because <laughs> I repented after, I did. God forgive me, he made me do it. Did I tip him? That's none of your business. It's none of your business if I tipped him. It's not, it's not. The reason why I share this story is because I, I couldn't really direct him. I didn't really know where he was because he didn't know where he was. <laughs> he had no idea. So I can't tell you where you are if you don't know where you are. So God says this statement. He says, where are you? What you have to understand is that when God asks a question, it's not because he needs the answer. When God asks a question, it's not because he's wondering. It's not because he cannot find them. When God says, hey, where are you? It is not because he needs to know where they are. It's because he wants them to know where they are. This would have been a voice of awakening. This would have been an informing voice. I can even imagine Adam and Eve in the bush hiding. The Bible even tells us it was in the cool of day, meaning that it's dark meaning that it's uh, cold outside, meaning that it's about to be nighttime and they're hiding and they're afraid and then all of a the sudden they begin to hear the voice of God, where are you? Where, where, where are you? Where, where are you? Where do you find yourself? And I imagine them hiding in the darkness, wondering how did I get here? 
how did I get here? How, where am I? How did I get here? How did I all of the sudden begin running from a God that I used to run to? How did I get here? Why am I in the bushes? It's, it's dark. Why, why, how did I get here? Where are you, church? Where are you this morning? Where do you find yourself? Do you find yourself maybe being lulled to sleep a little bit by the deception of sin? Do you find yourself maybe being a little bit drowsy because of your decisions? Where, where are you? Where are you in your purity? Where are you in your relationship with God? I think if I can give you any advice, it's maybe take a little bit of inventory today. Where are you? Where are you in your marriage? Where are you in your workplace? Where are you in your relationships? Where are you in your friendships? Where, where are you? And the second reason why I think God would have made this statement is it would have been the aching voice. So we have the awakening voice and then we have the aching voice. What you have to understand about our sin is that our sin actually pains God. It actually brings him pain. Why? Because sin is the one thing that separates us from him. It's the one thing. So what you have to understand is that there are moments in the Bible and we sometimes can, can look at this and think, well, well, God is a God that punishes because we've seen him rain down fire. We've seen God do a lot of these things. And even in this story, the way that it ends, spoiler alert, the way that it ends <laughs> is that he tells them, hey, you, you can't lead in this garden anymore. I need to send you somewhere else. Why? Because God does not wink at sin. God does not dismiss sin. He actually dies for our sin. He does not just push it to the side. He does not just forget and not care about it. But what you have to understand is that there are moments in the Bible, yes, where God would punish, where God would judge, but there are also moments in the Bible where God would, where the Bible would say someone's made a mistake and it would say God was grieved. It would say that, that God was grieved. There are even moments in the Bible where God's response wouldn't be, I'm angry, I'm upset, but he would just say, oh, I just had so much better for you. I just had so much better for you, Adam and Eve. You, you thought that eating from this tree would make you more like me? You're already created in my image. You're, you're already like me. Where, where are you? You think that alcohol is going to make you forget about your, your problems, but I've already separated your sins as far as the east is from the west. Where, where are you? You, you think that this relationship is going to make you have real intimacy and as though it's going to help fulfill you, and yet I'm already closer than a brother. Where are you? Where do you find yourself? Oh, but I'm thankful that it does not end there. I'm thankful that that's not the end of the story, but the last voice that you have to understand of why God would have said this is this is an active voice. This is a voice of determination. This is a voice that is seeking. This is a voice that says, yes, you might have made some of the biggest mistakes ever. Yes, you might have just allowed sin, death, and the grave into the world, but I am still seeking you out. Where are you? you know, what you have to understand, church, is this is not a voice of defeat. This is not a voice of discouragement. This is a voice of determination. This is a voice that is seeking after you. Where are you this morning? Just like the prodigal son took one step towards the father, and the father ran a long way out to meet him. So when we take a step towards our heavenly Father. God will come across the galaxies to find us, but where are you? Where are you this morning? What you have to understand is that there's a quote by Spurgeon, and it says that a man, there is no man that is in a position that the voice of God cannot bring them out. There is no person that is in a position that the voice of God cannot lead them out. This is a voice that is active. This is a voice that is piercing. This is a voice that is leading, that brings hope, peace, joy in any circumstance. Where are you? Where are you this morning? Where do you find yourself? What you have to understand is God's voice will not just awaken you. It doesn't just inform you where you are and then leave you there. 
But God also doesn't just say, hey, I'm upset at your sin and it grieves me and then stop. But he says, but I'm going to seek you out. Where are you? How does God respond to our sin? That's point number one today. He seeks us out. Where are you? Where do you find yourself this morning? Where are you? And then as I begin to close and I invite the band up, I love the way that this story ends and it says that God says, where are you? And then they they come out of the bushes, they come out of hiding and Adam says, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Uh, Raise your hand in here if you're a good multitasker. Like, you're a good multitasker. Yeah, raise your hand if you're not the best at multitasking, if you're kind of like me. Yeah, I'm like the worst multitasker uh, to the point that I've convinced myself uh, that no one's a good multitasker. Uh, No one is, because I'm not good at it, so no one is. Uh, It's actually impossible. I I read this, true article. I actually read this. It is impossible. Oh, that's the third one. Dang it, third statistic. Sorry. Uh, bonus content. Uh, please subscribe. Look, uh, weird. Like that guy, that guy. Bonus content below. Um, but I actually figured out that it is, it is impossible to put 100% of your attention into multiple things. So for a lot of us, we're like, oh, I'm a good multitasker. I'm, I'm really good at it. And you, and you might be good at putting a little bit more percentage than other people, but it is physically impossible to put your attention on multiple things. Why do I know this is true? On a Sunday night one time, we recorded service and, and Mike T was preaching and I, and I felt so bad after. I went to go look at the video. We record our services on our YouTube and I go to go look at the video and what happened was like, the, something happened with the audio. So the entire time that he's preaching, uh, our youth playlist is on in the background. Uh, so, so he's preaching and he's giving us God's word and he's fired up. Uh, but then all of a sudden in the back, all you hear is like John Mayer still feel like a man. Uh, and it's... <laughs> Like literally, like he's, he could have given us like the, the keys to happiness and the just joy. And he just preached an amazing sermon. And, and all I could hear was still feel like you, man. Like that was literally <laughs> it. Because we're just not, I'm just not good at it. I'm just not good at multitasking. Even when I like talk to people on the patio, if there's background music playing, like whoever's the loudest is going to win. So like literally like I'll just start randomly singing in the middle of conversations and I feel so rude, but I can't help it. I'm just not good at multitasking. And I think that this is a very, very, very big picture of how your life and my life looks when it comes to our relationship with God, to where God is trying to get information to us. He's trying to speak to us. But there's a lot going on, isn't there? You have your spouses talking to you. You have your bosses talking to you. You have your children talking to you. You have your teachers talking to you. You have your coaches talking to you. You have your friends talking to you. You have all of these people talking to you. And what I have learned is that normally, whoever's loudest wins. See, a lot of times it's not whoever has the best information, but a lot of times it's whoever's loudest wins. So the last question I want you to reflect on today is, who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? What's interesting about this story is that for two chapters in the Bible, the earth is how it should have been. There's harmony. 
There's peace. There's joy. They are in commune with God. There's no sin. There's no death. There's no destruction for two chapters in the Bible. But what's also true about those chapters is the only voice speaking is God's. And then once you get to chapter three, Adam starts speaking. Eve starts speaking. The serpent starts speaking. All putting into action sin, death, destruction, mayhem, turmoil. Why? Because for one chapter in the Bible, someone's voice got louder than God's. Showing me that in your life, in my life, if we want complete harmony, if we want complete peace, if we want complete joy, the loudest voice in our life has to be the voice of God's. But who are you listening to? Who? Who are you listening to? Who has the loudest voice in your life? Who's the person that you call? Who's the person whose advice you rely on? Who's the person that has your first response? Who are you listening to? So we get to this moment. Adam and Eve have now exited out of the bush. They are now in front of God and they are fully exposed, completely exposed. What you have to understand about this story is this would have been the first time in human history that someone would have felt shame. The first time. The first time in human history that someone would have felt condemnation. The first time in human history that someone would have felt like, I'm not enough. Do you remember the first time? Do you remember the first time you felt shame? Do you remember the first time you felt guilt? Do you remember the first time you felt like, I don't know if I'm truly cut out for this? Do you remember the first time? So they come out and God looks at them and and he asks them this question, which is why I know who you listen to is so important. The first question he asks them is, who told you? Who told you that you were naked? Who told you? Who have you been listening to? Whose voice have, have you allowed to be louder than mine's? Whose voice have you allowed to shape your view on culture, on Christianity, on people? Who, who are you listening to? He said, I need to identify the source. I need to go back to the source. Who have you been listening to? Church, who told you? Who told you that you weren't worthy of being loved by someone who cares about you? Who told you that the world would be better off if you weren't here? Who told you? Who told you that you don't deserve to belong in church and have a relationship with God because of the mistakes that you've made? Who told you? And then what do we see? Point number two, we see that God first identifies the source who told you. And then what does he do? He brings them back to his commands. Did you eat from the tree that what I commanded you not to eat from? He says, hey, this is what you heard, but this is what I said. What does God do? He brings us back to him. He asks them who told you, and then he brings them back to his words. He asks them who told you, and then he brings them back to his commands. He asks them who told you, and then he brings them back to the word of God. What you and I have to do in our life is when we feel insecure, when we feel overwhelmed, when we feel like there's nothing else around us that can bring us peace, hope, and joy, is we have to return to the Word of God. When the enemy tells you that no one's ever going to love you, you can go to John 3.16 and say, God loved me so much, he died for me. When the enemy tells you that there's no purpose for your life, that the world would be better off if you weren't here, you can go to Jeremiah 29.11 and say that where God says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you purpose, plans to give you honor, plans to give you hope, plans to give you a future. And when the enemy tries to tell you, you don't belong in church, you've made too many mistakes, you've gone too far, 
The Bible tells us in Romans 8 that neither death nor life nor anything in all creation could ever separate us from the love of God, that there is nothing in this world that could separate us from the love of God. But who have you been listening to? Who has authority over your life? Who's giving you words that they are end all be all? Who, who are you listening to? Because what will God do? He will find you where you are and bring you back to him. God will find you where you are. He will seek you out and bring you back to him. Can I give you some good news this morning? The gospel is not, I once was bad, I worked really hard, and then I found God. That's not the gospel. The gospel is actually, I once was dead. God brought me back to life and he carried me to his goodness. He carried me to his grace. He carried me to his purpose. I could not walk to God. I needed to be carried. I could not work to God. I needed him to pick me up and carry me to his grace, to his mercy, and to his love. So the question is now changed. The question is now shifted. It is no longer, what did you see first? The question is, what do you see now? What do you see now? Do you see his hope now? Do you see his purpose now? Do you see his joy now? Do you see his freedom now? Do you see his love now? Why? Because we are not supposed to be identified by our past. We are not supposed to be identified by our trauma, but we are supposed to identify with the love and the mercy and the hope and the freedom of God. But who have you been listening to? Who told you? Who told you? And my prayer for you is that the voice of God would be the loudest voice in your life that it wouldn't be the voice of Instagram, that it wouldn't be the voice of TikTok, that it wouldn't be the voice of the news, that it wouldn't be the voice of even your family, but that it would be the voice of God. Who are you listening to this morning? My prayer is that when you make mistakes, you would recover well. What you end up finding out, and we're not gonna read it, but the story ends. Adam and Eve now have had judgment. They are now walked out of the garden, but what I love is that the ending isn't truly the ending. But God says someone's coming. He tells the serpent, someone's coming and he's going to crush his heel on your skin. He says, he's going to crush you. Why? Because that someone is Jesus. So when you're in your life and you've made a mistake, when you're in your life and you're going through some things, can I encourage you? The end is not the ending. It might feel like the end. It might feel like it's over. Yes, God sometimes is, yes, God is just. God is always just. Yes, God always has to be just. Why? Because if he is not just, he is not God. But what did he do? He sent someone down from heaven. God did not dismiss the payment. He made the payment. He didn't dismiss it. He didn't say, you know what? We're going to forget about your sin. He says, I'm actually going to come down from heaven and die for it. Why? Because he's a God that will seek you out and bring you back to him. Let's stand to our feet this morning. And I want to ask this question. We ask this question every single week here at church. And in our youth ministry, we we say... uh, we ask this question, do you want to give your heart to Jesus? And we say that this means two things. The first thing we say this means is, Jesus, I want you in my heart. We say, Jesus, I want you in my heart, that there are things that I have, there are habits that I have in my heart that I need taken out, and there are things that aren't in my heart that I need put in. We even call it heart surgery. And the second thing that we say is, Jesus, I want you in my life. Jesus, I want you in my life, that there are things that I do that I can't, I can't stop doing. There are habits I have, and I, I need to stop trying to play Savior, and I need to accept a Savior. And if that's you on the count of three, I just want you to raise your hand and wave at me. I'm not going to ask you to say anything. I'm not going to ask you to do anything or come up here and talk. I just want to know who I'm praying for. And if that's you on the count of three, I'd love for you to raise your hand. One, two, three. It's awesome. It's awesome. Give you a couple more seconds. It's awesome. 
You guys can put your hands down. We pray this prayer every single week. It's called the sinner's prayer. And we pray it all together because we all believe that we're sinners saved by grace. So go ahead and repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus. Come on, say it like we mean it this morning. Say, dear Jesus, come into my life. Make me brand new. Forgive me of my past as I choose today to make you Lord of my life for the rest of my life. And God, I thank you that your word tells us that we are new creations, that the old has passed away and that the new has come. So I thank you for moments like this that remind us that we are not just new, but we are made new by your grace, made new by your mercy, made new by your love. God, I pray that if we don't know anything else this morning, we know that you are seeking us out. That after the biggest mistake in human history, you said, where are you? You didn't say, how could you? You didn't say, what have you done? But you said, where are you? Why? Because they needed to be in your presence. In your presence, there is healing. In your presence, there is freedom. In your presence, there is joy. So I pray that we do not try to work our way out of sin, but we invite your presence into our lives. God, we pray against penalty box Christianity. Christianity that says, because I do not do good now, I cannot do good ever. That I need a little bit of time to get my act together. God, if we wait to get our act together, we'll be waiting forever. But I thank you that we don't have to do the work because your cross already did it. That you are seeking after us to bring us back to your words. You don't seek after us just to punish us. You don't seek after us just to put wrath on us. Yes, you are just. Yes, you do not wink at sin. Yes, sin deserves punishment, but you paid the punishment. Do what only you can do in our lives. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, come on, can we put our hands together for everyone that made a decision to follow Jesus this morning? Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.